Hey there, and welcome to another fortnightly episode of War Starts at Midnight. I'm Chris Gallagher. And I'm Jacob Graves. On today's show, we've got a review of the latest Adam Sandler movie to hit Netflix. Um, excuse me, Jacob. I believe what you meant to say was the latest Noah Baumbach film, which just happens to be a Netflix original movie starring Sandler, alongside Dustin Hoffman, Ben Stiller, and Elizabeth Marvel. It's a Baumbachian blend of narcissism, family infighting, and screwball comedy, and it goes by the lengthy but accurately descriptive title, The Meyerowitz Stories, open parentheses, new and selected, close parentheses. I will punch you in the nose, Hmm. but not before we discuss the noteworthy new releases in the Midnight Warrior Fantasy Movie League weekend preview. And certainly not before we wrap up the show as we always do with some really rad recommendations. Jake, we can head out back and take turns kicking each other in the shins in just a moment, but first... Jake. Hey, Chris, what's up? It is time for your least favorite segment. Oh, what's that? Trailer talk. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't like watching trailers. I know you don't like watching trailers. Did you see the trailer for the newest uh, PTA film coming out in in Christmas, uh, Phantom Thread? Is that is that the Daniel Day-Lewis movie? Yes. No, I didn't see that. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. So you know what movie it is. You uh-huh. wait, what movie what movie could I have answered yes to that you would have said yes I saw that trailer. Something that came out in Fantasy Movie League that I had to estimate what it was going to make. <laughs> okay. That's that's the extent of what trailers I watch. I've seen The Snowman trailer. Okay. I okay, fine, fine. Um <laughs> can I convince you to watch the Phantom Thread trailer right now? Is it going to ruin the movie? It, it's a PT Anderson movie. It's not going to ruin the movie. You can never like he's not a plot-driven director. No, it'll be fine. All right, let's do it. Here we go. You can sew almost anything into the canvas of a coat. When I was a boy, I started to hide things in the linings of the garments. Things that only I knew were there. Secrets. Good morning. Will you have dinner with me? Yes. I feel as if I've been looking for you for a very long time. You look beautiful. Very beautiful. I have things I want to do. Things I simply cannot do without you. Reynolds has made my dreams come true. And I have given him what he desires most in return. (laughs) Every piece of me. Yep. So yeah, what do you what do you think? Uh, I think it looks really good, and like uh, it's already got the the nomination for Daniel Day Lewis. Oh for yeah, best actor. Best, yeah, probably so. I mean, he's he's almost almost certainly. I mean, he's basically almost certainly shooing for anything he does. But uh, is this I'm, his is this his last movie? Is he retiring? I thought he was already retired. I thought he was had been making shoes for a while. Is he doing this and then one more movie? Is that Tarantino? That's Tarantino. I don't know. Like, I honestly, I honestly don't know about Daniel Day Lewis. That would be no. I think you're. I think. I think he said the next thing he's doing, he's going to be Charles Manson in a movie. This is this is a place where we need a friend of the show, Peterson Hill. I'm sure he's yelling at his phone right now. Um, <laughs> I, I'm sure he knows the answer. I don't know what the answer is. I, I think this is this is his last movie, and he's retiring. Fine, whatever. We'll. I might put a correction in the show notes if uh, we look it up and we find that we're wildly off, and he's like making a. He, maybe he's in the next Jurassic Park movie who knows uh but no what 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 do you think this trailer I think it looks uh I think it looks pretty good I'm I'm excited no I legitimately think it looks good and and I'm not always a huge PT Anderson fan is it is it a like because he you know it's there's not there's not plot to hold on to and it's just you got to get on you got to get on board or not or what's the yeah also it seems like he usually has like a really dark world view to mix with the no plot hmm Um, it's, I, I never feel hopeful watching a P.T. Anderson movie. I feel like people are terrible. See, uh, but I think, I I don't know. I, I would disagree with you on that. I think he finds the hope in the darkness. Like he, I, I think in general, his films exist in a place that that's pretty murky or pretty, you know, uh, I mean, in, in the case of something like Boogie Nights, really like it should be something that is terrible and no fun, but mm-hmm. he finds a way to, uh, to translate something else out of it, like and and throughout his career, you know, from from start to finish. Um, but I I also understand. I mean, there's definitely times when it takes a second or third viewing 
um, for me, for me to get in, into it. But I mean, this, I mean, just by the visual aesthetic alone, I mean, it feels, it feels like he's definitely doing some nod to like Max Ophel's, um, in visually, maybe not, I mean, probably not, uh, story wise, but, uh, and, and to have Daniel Day Lewis in that sort of role is so perfect. I mean, it kind of also reminds me a bit of Age of Innocence, which was a Martin Scorsese mm-hmm. film, which yes. also feels a lot like Max Ophel's. So, um, that, that Lewis, Daniel Day Lewis is in. So, uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited. I don't know exactly what it's about, but I don't need to know. I'm, I'm, I got a butt in the seat. Look, I, PT Anderson is not a must see director for me. Um, and Ooh. I do not really watch period films and this just looks like the kind of movie that I wouldn't enjoy. And it is a must see based on, like you said, the aesthetic and Daniel Day Lewis. Like I have to see it. I have to see what is going to happen on screen. Ooh, man. If, uh, if Mr. Hill wasn't angry before he is now, um, did, did you see, so you don't see everything. Did you see inherent vice? No, I didn't see that one. Highly recommend inherent vice. It's, uh, it's on the old, uh, shared library we've got, um, on on voodoo uh, you you should definitely check it out it's maybe the the first time i was a little cold on it like i enjoyed it it's it's fairly funny and humorous but i wasn't sure completely um it's I, honestly in my opinion i would put it up there on par with something like uh something we've been talking about a lot lately uh, everybody wants some as far as rewatchability and just like it it has wow. that same sort of feeling for me i can wow. i can put it on at any time and just like let it coast it's it's pretty great you should check it out. Okay. Well, you know how I feel about watching movies at home. It's not always the best experience. You don't say. Why don't Why don't we get into a discussion about uh, Doa Bombeck's latest film, which is primarily available only on your uh, home television, The Meyerowitz Stories. You don't know if this place is a client. That's why we could get a table so last minute. That's why they gave us this bigger table. I imagine they'll send some complimentary stuff, too. $55 for a steak. We're known for their meat here. And $35 for a salmon. Get the salmon to blow you for that price? Are you Harold Meyerowitz's son, Matthew? Yes. Uh, and this is Danny, also Harold Meyerowitz's son. I didn't realize he had two sons. And a daughter. Dad, you'll be okay here. It'll be nice to spend time with Dad. You know, I didn't get a lot of time with him growing up. Son of a bitch! They uh, take all of the little birds and deep fry them and just... It's very sad. There are no little birds left in Italy anymore. They've eaten them all. So Noah Baumbach's latest film, The Meyerowitz Story is New and Selected, made its premiere on the big screen at the Cannes Film Festival back in May. But when it debuted nationwide just a few weeks ago, The Meyerowitz Stories was far easier to find in your pocket than at the local art house theater. This is because the film's distributor, Netflix released it to their streaming service in 190 countries around the world, but just 10 theaters across the U.S., and most of those were only one-week engagements. As the film plays out on your wall-mounted flat screen, or, heaven forbid, that five-and-a-half-inch cell phone, you'll catch the tiniest glimpse of what it must feel like in full silver-screen glory as the super-saturated grid of the super 16mm film bleeds through even the compressed internet stream. As the Salinger-style title would suggest, the story introduces us to the Meyerowitz family, the patriarch Harold, played by Dustin Hoffman, his two children from his first marriage, Danny and Jean, played by Adam Sandler and Elizabeth Marvel, respectively, the one kid from his second marriage, Matthew, played by Ben Stiller, and Harold's third wife, Maureen, played by Emma Thompson. And I'll just say it now, all involved parties are a delight. The dad, as Maureen idly refers to him, is a pedant and a sculptor who believes his work never reached its full potential for public appeal. His three kids each harbor pockets of admiration and resentment for their father and siblings. And as you might suspect with a Noah Baumbach film, this dynamic plays out on screen throughout the picture's nearly two-hour runtime. And though these characters and relationships are certainly familiar territory for Baumbach, I believe the Meyerowitz stories deserves a spot near the top of this second or perhaps third wave of his career. He's struck a fine balance between the trademark sharp, dry cynicism found in his early work and the maturity, if not mild optimism, found in his latest batch of pictures. Perhaps that's why this exploration of the Meyerowitz family feels like a fresh chapter in Bombeck's ongoing story of loosely autobiographical films. But Jake, I'm curious, 
Where would you rank this among Bombeck's collection of neurotic narratives dissecting dysfunctional families? And furthermore, how would you rate your home viewing experience of this new Netflix original movie? Okay, I'll take those. I'll take those in reverse. First, viewing experience. Uh, I have a 4K TV. It's about 50 inches. Uh, sit about six, eight feet from it. It's not bad. It's a. It's yeah. a. It's a decent way to view it. And there's nobody else texting or turning, you know, uh, walking in and out, serving a meal. I mean, I imagine at a Noah Baumbach film, you're probably not going to have a packed house. So it's going to be less likely that you're going to run into that anyway. But yeah, no, I get, I get your point. I, um, I, I still, I I still lament the fact that like, it was just impossible to see in a theater because there are elements Mm -hmm. of it that feel like, you know, it feels like real capital F filmmaking, even if it's Mm -hmm. on a, this smaller scale, it feels like real American indie filmmaking and it, you can, you can see it there on screen, but it also feels like some of that is diminished with, you know, bringing it down. Yeah. Look, I thought it had the soul of a seventies film that I somehow had to stream bits over the internet to watch. You know, it's interesting that you kind of frame it that way. I've, I've always had this, at least like with, since Bombeck kind of came back, um, you know, like what, maybe 10 years ago or so, like I've always had this feeling that he's, there's, there's little touches that almost feel like he's doing Cassavetes. So, about 10 minutes into this movie, they start going at a dinner and everybody's talking. I said, oh, am I getting woman under the influence? <laughs> what's what's about to happen here? First, I thought it was going to be an hour of Adam Sandler trying to park. Yeah. I legitimately thought, like, how long, like, are, is this going to be one of the Meyerowitz stories? Like, he spends 15 minutes in the car with his daughter trying to park. And then I thought, oh, are they just going to sit at this dinner for a very long time? Yeah. Time? Yeah. No, it's, it's not that. Thankfully, like, I don't, I just... Not that I have any problem with a woman under the influence, but um, I I don't think that would be his strength per se. And he's, you know, he's actually already had his awkward like dinner scene in uh, Francis Ha. Um, I, I I don't think it can get more awkward than that. So so let's go back. Your other question was where would I rank this among Bombeck's films? Yeah. So I, let me confess the ones that I have seen. Okay. Uh, I would I would call it the Greta Gerwig pack because it's Greenberg, Francis Ha, and Mistress America. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I know that I'm missing Squid and the Whale, which is like a must-see, and you would probably consider Kicking and Screaming as well. Kicking and Screaming is seminal, in my opinion, but I, I know that's probably not uh, for for everyone, or not you know not everyone would consider it that. But um, yeah, no, it's and I think it's on Netflix right now. You should definitely, definitely, definitely check it out. Um, our old professor Jeff Van Hanken has had my copy for the past like I don't know four or five years at this point. Hasn't he like had it and then gave it back and then you gave it to him again? Yeah, no, it's been a long time. It's he's had it for the past four years, I think the second time, but anyway, (laughs) I digress. Well, when he's Uh, done with it, I'll watch it. Yeah. Um, no, it's, you, you can stream on Netflix, which is probably the best way to see it because it's only the criterion. They've only released a DVD. I keep looking for, you know, the yeah. Blu-ray re-release, but that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, but uh, but where where would I rank it among these? I, I don't know. They're really hard to to rank. And Francis Howe is one of my favorite films of that year. Sure. So yeah, it, it's 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 hard to compare it to that. I thought that was just you know mind blowing. But I I liked this a lot. I loved what it did. I don't know if it hit me on the right day or whatever. But I thought the the mood in particular that it struck and the the issues it addressed. I, I was really, really satisfied with this movie. Well, I think it's I think it's the type of movie that could very, very easily fall into a like you kind of know where it's going and you know the the bits that it's going to hit and how it's going to address mood and how it's going to address certain. And it it doesn't like it hits on sort of the family tropes that you think it might. Um, but it doesn't do it in a way that feels super predictable or in a way that like it, and, and it also feels like, um, there's, there's a lot of compassion here, which I think is actually a difficult thing to bring into a story that is about, um, this, that is about this, you know, kind of dysfunctional family. Um, so I, I really admire that about it. It's, it's sort of a tightrope walk in that way. Um, I mean, and honestly, like, I know you're going to get upset with me saying this, but it, it kind of, to me felt like, especially that first half kind of felt like Darjeeling limited the good version. 
so Darjeeling Limited is what I call that. <laughs> right. I, I mean, I don't, I don't hate Darjeeling Limited, but it's, in my opinion, definitely Wes Anderson's least uh, successful overall film. And, I'm glad you and, said you know, successful because if you had said good, I would have just told you you were wrong. No, no, no. I don't. I don't hate it. Like I just don't think it works on on all levels. And and I mean, Bombeck has had those films as well. Um, I think you know something like Margot at the Wedding is that way. Um, this just happens to be like. And and I guess to to answer my own question, like Francis Haw is at the tippy top of the list, maybe like overall, but definitely of his you know more recent films. Um, this is right up there though. Like I I really liked Mistress America, but I think this is a far. Uh, deeper, richer film than Mistress America. I do mm-hmm. love the the screwball comedy aspect of it, and this has a bit of that as well. Um, I mean, it's not it's not quite as much. You know, Mistress America literally descends into just straight up like uh, sort of I, I don't know his girl Friday or something by the end. Um, this doesn't quite do that, but it but he and I, I I find it interesting the way that he does use though the screwball dialogue, which he writes very well in a way to sort of diffuse what could otherwise be a really awkward situation. I mean, his joke writing is so on point. And most of the jokes are not like, here's a setup punchline joke. It's like something that happens in conversation in the background. Well, and that's what I was going to say is it flows. It feels like human beings talking who are funny. Yeah. Yeah. Or or who say things that are amusing, but aren't trying to be funny. Um, but that's just also that's also the acting, and you got to credit the director for some of that as well, because he clearly takes people who are not dramatic actors and gets gold out of them in this case. Well, I mean, Dustin Hoffman, you know, you're going to get something great out of Dustin Hoffman. I think Adam Sandler is the. I mean, this is Adam Sandler is basically playing Nick Cage here. In that, uh, we haven't had a we have not seen a role that Adam Sandler's played this well since Punch Drunk Love, and he's he's been overdue for it. Um, much like Nick Cage, Adam Sandler can act. He just needs the motivation to do it and do it well. And he does it so, so well here. And, and really like, I mean, there was when, uh, they're singing and he's sitting down with his, uh, daughter, I think her name's Eliza and mm-hmm. they're singing that little song. Like he's a, he's sort of a, he was a stay at home dad, which I guess is a theme for, for Bombeck because he had the stay at home dad in Mistress America as well. But, um, he was sort of a, talented musician who never went anywhere with it but they they play that song uh, i think it's called uh daddy and mommy and genius girl make three something like that yeah um and it was like i forgot that adam sandler could act and i forgot adam, adam sandler could sing and he, he can sing fairly well like a musician who was good and didn't make it was singing it. And it didn't feel like Hanukkah song. It didn't yeah, feel anything yeah. like it was completely separate. It, it was a, he did a great job. I, yeah. I, I thought that was a great job. The performance I want to go back to uh, before we get too far away. Uh, what did you think of the, the patriarch of the family, Howard Meyerowitz? What did you think of Dustin Hoffman? Dustin Hoffman is, he's great here. And I mean, I, Dustin Hoffman has not, in my opinion, he hasn't had that Pacino or, um, De Niro, like where he just sort of started taking, like, to, to go back to another Adam Sandler movie. He's not, he's, he's never done a fake Dunkin' Donuts commercial. <laughs> I will stand by that Dunkin' Donuts commercial. I've watched it 15 times in the last week. <laughs> That's not really a joke. He's, he's never, you know, he's never kind of lost it over the edge. Um, yeah, but let me ask, what's the last great performance that he's given? Um, I, I was trying to think of that while watching and the best that I could come up with. And, and it's probably there's probably been something since then. But was I Heart Huckabees. Yeah, that's probably I loved right him answer. in I Heart Huckabees. But it's been a long time. And to see him doing this well. Yeah. Um, I won't say it's shocking because it is Dustin Hoffman. But 
he he clearly kept kept his acting chops. Yeah, well, and I mean, it's he. I haven't seen him with this much depth, and I mean, even because I Huckabee's he was great in, but he definitely didn't have he he. It wasn't this rich. Um, it, it definitely felt like an old glove. Um, just sort of like sliding in, and like it felt so right. But I mean, top to bottom, really, this this cast is so solid. I mean, I think uh, um, Elizabeth Marvel as Jean, the the sister, is just phenomenal. In in the you know she it's it's a very delicate role to play. She definitely doesn't have as as showy um, of of kind of parts to to shine. She's kind of intended to sit in the background but i think that character is so pivotal to um to the story as a whole and you know it's in another and i think it's it's definitely credit to her performance and then it's also credit to the way bombeck crafts the character because she could be an afterthought sort of character it could be like well i'm going to make this story about brothers and they have a, they have issues with each other and their father oh and they have a sister as well and she's sidelined and and he i mean she is in a way, but it's like that's part of the the story, and, and she's still allowed to kind of get her full arc, also, um, which is really nice. No, I, I agree. I, I thought, man, just the way this is structured, I, I just loved how, how the characters were introduced, the order they were introduced, the focus they were given when they were introduced. I thought it was a, a great way to bring us into this family, and it didn't start at a dinner with everybody where you have to kind of pick yeah. people apart like you walked into their dinner party it slowly brought people in one by one yeah but at the same time it, it has it has a real nice clip and a real nice pace to it i mean i think the uh you know as, as it's going between the chapters there's he's constantly making these hard cuts on either yelling or talking or that sort of thing which gives sort of an immediacy and and you have you really have that feeling and drive throughout and he's you know he's also bringing in a, a cast of kind of cameos throughout. You've got Adam Driver, you've got Candace Bergen, Scorney Weaver, Judd Hirsch, uh, Matt Shear, who's not maybe not so much a cameo, but he's a guy. He he plays Gabe in this. He was Tony in Mistress America. Uh, Josh Hamilton, aka Hunter Cates, who was in um, who who was in Kicking and Screaming all the way back, and and tends to show up as at least small little parts in uh, just about every Bombeck film. Um, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's got this clip where he's dealing with a lot of characters and, um, but he, he never lets it, he never lets it get dragged down. Let me ask you this. What, what do you think of this structure of this chapter structure? I thought it worked. I thought it was interesting. Um, I didn't, it didn't, it didn't transcend the film. I can't like it. it none of the stuff that was conveyed in that just blew me away, but I thought it did a great job of setting the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, they none of them came to to a head or anything that uh, I was like, oh, this chapter is particularly better than this chapter or the the cards, the title cards they showed in the middle. Uh, something I want to go back to that you said you said uh, with the heart cuts on action, yeah, yeah, uh, on either on screaming all that, and it kept that pace throughout. I thought it very very clearly um, had a break where before a certain point in the movie, it had tons of hard cuts on action. Yeah. 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 That, no, that's, that's true. And that's fair. And I think it was, I think it was conveying chaos in their life before uh-huh. how, how f- the fast pace that they were dealing with. And after it started going to dissolve in, dissolve out, dissolve yeah. to black. Well, and, and yeah. And the, and the back end is all, um, it, there's, there's a ton of dissolves. Actually, I'm going to, we haven't done this in a while. I'm going to run spoilers here because I think we've given a fairly, uh, broad opinion of, of kind of what we think. I think we do need to maybe get into some of that stuff because there's, a, I think there's a lot to mine in the back half. So spoilers right now. Now we can talk about Pagina Man. <laughs> oh gosh, is that why we ran spoilers? We can no, we can we can talk about Pagina Man in a second. But I want to talk about the the more specific. So I we're obviously the thing that you were dancing around. I assume is Dustin Hoffman uh, Howard's uh, hospitalization 
um, in this, which uh, actually uh, Bombeck was on Fresh Air like a couple of weeks ago, and I had to stop. Like, I haven't even I, I still haven't completed the interview because I had to stop. They were like talking about the hospital and everything, and he was like, "Well, something, something." Spoilers, like, nope, 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 nope. No, don't want to spoilers. But no, you you actually you do bring up a good point. It, 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 there is definitely like a a very obvious kind of line in the sand here. And even from, I, I think Car- or I think Hoffman is playing two versions of Howard in this. There's the version in the first half, which is like almost an SNL character in, in, in the dialogue in just the way that he frames every, he's such, he is such a pedant. He is so like uppity about every little detail. And, and he's just like, he's, the curmudgeon mm-hmm. of all curmudgeons. And then whenever um, he's kind of come to that first time um, when he, when he's in the hospital bed and he's sort of lost his, you know, they've, they're talking about his motor skills and his speech and everything. And he's lost a lot of his speech and he's, he's cut down to rudimentary language. It, uh, it it's a very nice, like, it was a very nice way for Bombeck to take, like, I'm sure he loved writing the character in that way, but then to sacrifice pulling that out for, you know, the depth of ultimately, like, it, it sort of is a piece that brings the relationship between him and his sons together and, and his daughter as well. Like, that that was really nice and really beautiful and a really smart uh, way to, to attack that, I thought. Yes. First, I want to say that Dustin Hoffman did a fantastic job of first being Harold, then uh, being an impaired Harold and then slowly going back to just being Harold again by the end, but kind of building into that because yeah. in that last scene where uh, Adam Sandler spikes the cookie plate, um, <laughs> yeah. uh, he's clearly just being Harold again. But the, the other thing I want to say is I thought that the performance was so good in the first half that I, I found myself thinking like, man, this movie's missing something after he went in the hospital. And I said, oh, no, that's on purpose. The family was missing Harold as yeah. well. He's yeah. the the driving force in how they all interact. He's the 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 maypole that they all circle. He's the and royal so, Tenenbaum, if you will. I was I, I almost wanted to say, how many minutes can we go before someone says Tenenbaum? I just did it. Um, and, yep. and but that's the thing that I, I also think is is remarkable is as I was saying up top, like it, it, it goes through all of these things where you could say, Oh, well, it looks like a, it looks and feels a little bit like other Noah Baumbach films. It definitely also in places looks and feels like other Wes Anderson films, but it stands up alone as well. And that's, that's what really, uh, that's, that's what really makes it great is it's the type of thing that on paper, I think if you would have just said, you know, here's, here's the basic plot, it kind of looks like, Oh, well, I've seen that before, but this is, this is worth it. This is great. This is, uh, pretty remarkable, pretty, pretty good stuff. Still disappointed that it's on Netflix. Uh, what, what do you say we, we get into your pagina man? Uh, oh, good. So do we want to talk about Grace Van Patten's performance first as Eliza Meyerwitz and the character and then go into it? Yeah, we should. We should. First off, she's a star in the making. She did really well in this. Oh yeah. I mean, she's, he's, he's so good at casting. I mean, he's, uh, he's really, and I don't know if it's his, it's probably partially impartial, partially his casting agent, whoever he works with, but no, she's, she's perfect as like, she, she fits very well with Adam Sandler as well as you, you mm-hmm. buy them as, as father and daughter. Um, and she, I think it's, she's a character that could come off as a little too precocious, but she plays it just right. Uh, yeah, she's and, great. And it was written really well so that she was a character who did care about her dad, didn't just go off to college and, and played that kind of stereotypical, oh, she doesn't care about her dad anymore. She clearly still did. She was just living her life as well. I thought it was a well-written character. I thought it was well-performed. I, I, what did you think of her being a filmmaker? <laughs> well, <laughs> that's, I mean, this is maybe the most outrageous part of this entire film is, is her couple of, uh, her couple of shorts that we see. I don't, I don't understand anything that was going on in Pagina Man. I understand even less about like whatever the, fox in the van thing was um and i and i, do I don't love- know they're on par with the student film channel at tu for a while <laughs> it, it was not that much different i i do love when uh danny it's it's towards the end he says something to the effect of no she's a pretty good filmmaker i think 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> which is the perfect sort of like, he's like, I don't fully understand it, but I think there's something there, which is kind of how like, it's, it's like, well, there's definitely, there's definitely a drive there. She definitely has a voice. Mm-hmm. I just don't know exactly what or why it is. And we didn't get to see the, the conclusion of uh pagina man. A- sure. A- Adam Sandler's character thought it was important to turn it off and maybe watch it in private first. Uh, before he shows other people. I also love that she got her Aunt Jean involved by the end. In, in like she'd been in, what, five of them by that point? Yeah. But the, the thing I like most, the thing that made it feel most real is coming from a very artistic family with an artistic uh, grandfather who has some very strong beliefs. She probably would make a risque sort of film like that, that pushed the envelope instead of something really cookie cutter. I thought they made some good choices picking to do that. It was crazy. Well, it uh, I mean, you, you raise a good point, though, because it, she seems to have come from a family that doesn't have a whole lot of boundaries and that the parents seem to sort of want to be friends and that sort of thing. So, no, I, I could totally I, I can totally buy into that that aspect of it. Um, no, I, I, I think, I think he's right though. She, she has some talent. I'm not sure what it is. Um, it's, but the, the, the whole Pagina man thing, like completely caught me off guard. It's, it's one of those little, like it, it feels like such a Bombeck joke too. Like, and that's the thing, like, uh, this is the first, well, I guess while we're young, he wrote alone, but, um, I think, I think this is definitely better overall from start to finish than while we're young, a more complete story. Um, he's, he's been doing a lot of stuff, you know, co-screenwriting with either Greta Gerwig or Jennifer Jason Lee or, you know, other folks. Um, this is, this is the first thing in a long time that feels wholly bombeck in my opinion. And I like, and I like those collaborations. I like sort of the combination of voices when he collaborates with, with other folks, but, um, it, it feels very distilled and very much his, um, his voice solo on screen. And it's great. Yeah. Just as, as, as not a bomb back expert, uh, it's harder for me to pick up on that. Sure. Just comparing it to what I have seen. Um, it at least brought the mark of quality that I associate with his films. There are a few things. I don't want to say this is a perfect movie. There were a few things I had issues with technically the scene when, which was a scene I actually enjoyed when, uh, Adam Sandler's character and Ben Stiller's character start getting in the shin kicking match a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I didn't think the coverage was great. I didn't think the lighting was, it felt like they were lit differently, but then later in the film in one of her, um, uh, shorts, uh, she said something about how she used harsh lighting to make a character look more threatening or something. So I didn't mm-hmm. know if that was mm-hmm. something that I just was connected, but I didn't pick up on or wasn't smart enough to pick up on. Well, no, I, I mean, I think you're right about the fight, the fight. It feels like bad coverage because I, it feels like it wasn't maybe necessarily choreographed and was just shot in coverage. Mm-hmm. And, but at the same time it like, and and this, this actually, I think goes back to the seventies thing a little bit. Like it would feel a little more Altman if he maybe leaned more into the, lack of continuity but instead mm-hmm. like there's there's this weird thing where they're cutting to try to keep continuity but it's very clearly drawing away so instead of leaning into that quality of it being messy um you just are like basically the separation is drawn to your attention and so uh yeah no it's that that part's definitely imperfect i do like before that though when they they uh, beat the crap out of the old guy's car um, <laughs> because it feels it, like it feels kind of pathetic, but what they're doing is super pathetic as well. So it, it, it feels fitting. Yeah, no, I, and I like that, that speaking of Darjeeling limited, that seemed the thing most like uh, something that those guys would have done uh, in that film. Stop, but, I'm going to mace you in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, but I'm going to mace you in the face. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I wouldn't normally have a complaint about it that much, but I thought this movie was so good and yeah. I thought it was so bravely edited in a lot of places and so smartly edited might be the better word. Well, yeah. And it's, it's very clear that action is not necessarily his thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's good. I mean, he's good with uh, action as far as like motion and, and composition, that sort of thing. But then when it becomes that sort of choreographed movement in that way, uh, it's, it's just not his, his fort. Um, which I mean, that's, that's fine. I can forgive it. It's, it's also, I mean, that's, that's a tough, that is like the, the climax of that relationship really, you know, that's where like third act 
pieces mm-hmm. are are starting to to form and come to a head um the most and so and and we've still got more of the film left but that's like the where their relationship is at its worst um and and it's you know the fact that he combines this yelling match but i i think all of that is really well written i mean it's that shows his strength with dialogue but then combining that with a fight um that's that's a tough thing to do uh something something we wouldn't know anything about uh about trying to <laughs> trying to do that sort of thing yeah yeah but uh, and again that is not going to lower my my recommendation on this movie which is you should see it you should yeah. watch it especially if you have netflix put 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 the damn movie on just watch it yeah, it's yeah. I mean, I, that's maybe my biggest fear with this is that it's going to become one of those movies that because it just appeared on Netflix, it's just going to sit in queues and never actually get viewed, uh, which is a damn shame. I wonder how many people are saying like this is part of that Adam Sandler Netflix deal. Is this uh, related to uh, Ridiculous Six or uh... it's a, some sort of mixed universe between Don't Mess with the Zohan and Zoolander? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh <laughs> And oh and they gosh. just put it on confused and turn it off very shortly after. I don't know. That scene where he was trying to park was okay. But after that, I don't know what happened. Do 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 they quit before or after Pagina Man? If they make it to Pagina Man, they finish the movie. <laughs> I didn't even make it to Pagina Man. Spoilers are done. Spoilers are done. Turns out Rosebud was only a sled. Okay, so Chris, if our uh, viewers are a couple glasses of wine deep and they decide to to open a beer against their father's wishes, do you have any recommendations on what it should be? Well, if uh, I suppose if they have the constitution that can handle the grape and the grain, uh, <laughs> I've got something. I got something that's well. If if they're two two glasses deep already, this is really going to knock their socks off. Uh, I am pairing the Meyerowitz stories with Highland Scoundrel. This comes from Fourth Tap Brewing Co-op in Austin, Texas, and is a Scottish style ale, also known as a wee heavy. And this is coming in at 10% ABV and with an unknown IBU, uh, but it's, it's not terribly hoppy. So that's really negligible here. Uh, it's, it's a real sweet, rich, uh, boozy flavor, which is something that you kind of expect from a wee heavy. Uh, but you know, these, these all have, they are traditionally very high ABV beers, uh, which brings a problem a lot of times with something that's, it's so, alcohol heavy on the front end that it can be hard to drink sometimes, but the, the multi backbone of this is really good and really, uh, balances out and takes down that sting of the boozy bite. Uh, you know, this is something that I suspect we, I don't know. How did we not talk about, uh, Emma Thompson as Maureen in this know, at all? How really, really good performance, really, really great and, and unrecognizable really. Um, but I, I suspect this is a beer that, that Maureen would have no trouble throwing back, you know, one, two, three, maybe an entire four pack of these. Uh, but I suggest if, if you have these, you do not share them with Maureen because you should save them for yourself because this beer is not one to be wasted. And, and look, I'll, t- I'll tell you, if, if you don't drink this beer, I'll, I'll buy you a swimming pool. <laughs> I, I think that's how that works. I think okay. that's how Alcoholics Anonymous work. <laughs> that's, well, she, she didn't really like, you know, she wanted to do her own thing. That's uh, right. She didn't, she didn't like the lack of control. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but, that's kind of the thing. But when when you sit down to watch the Meyerowitz stories, as you all should, if you haven't already, or to rewatch it, uh, I suggest you do so with a Highland Scoundrel by Fourth Tap Co-op. The Meyerowitz stories, new and selected, is currently streaming on Netflix, alongside all these other classic Netflix original movies starring Adam Sandler. If you've seen this, or Ridiculous Six, tell us your thoughts at hello at warstartsatmidnight.com. Or if email isn't your thing, we'd still love to hear from you. Ring the red phone and leave us a voicemail at 484-424-6362. That's 484-4CINEMA. I've watched Ridiculous 6 three times. Stick around. We'll be back after the break with a Midnight Warrior Fantasy Movie League weekend preview or Miwa Fa Mo Lee Whoop for short. Well, I know just what you are. It's not a bowl of ice cream. It's not a conflict diamond or a double scoop of saline. I know just what you are. It's what we are. 
And now it's time for the Midnight Warrior Fantasy Movie League Weekend Preview. Each week, Chris and I compete with you, the listeners, in a fantasy sports-style game to best spend a thousand imaginary bucks to fill a virtual eight-screen cineplex with real-world movies where the weekend box office determines the winner. If you aren't already playing along, it's never too late to join. Visit wsampod.com slash league to sign up and get all the details. So let's dive into our preview of week 10 of our fall season. That smell of rotten pumpkin can only mean one thing. Halloween is over and we can finally overlook all those scary flicks when picking a lineup for the perfect cineplex. Or can we? Four horror films are still competing this weekend and are marked down to deep discount prices. But are audiences feeling fatigued following a month of frightening films? Jigsaw, Boo Happy Death Day, It, The Snowman, Flatliners, Annabelle Creation have all come out recently. I probably forgot some. So I can't blame audiences if they're ready for something different. Well, the 640 and 900 pound gorillas in the room are a pair of Avengers hitting the big screen this weekend in Thor Ragnarok. Also, Google quickly told me how much they weigh because of course Google quickly told me how much they weigh. So Chris, I know you're ready to Ragnarok. I know it's awful, but this film is a Friday, Saturday, Sunday split for FML purposes. I'm playing Friday because those grosses also include Thor's Day, but what about you? Well, I you're you're probably right to play Friday, but uh, that doesn't fit into my plan of using all my bucks. So I am playing Sunday. Yeah. So I I, I was thinking about it. I mostly wanted to just talk about Thor, Thor's Day because that's actually the origin of Thursday, and this is now a linguistics podcast. But I'll, I'll spare everyone that one and say I, I might actually go with Sunday. It just you can get three screens of it in. And and you if you play two screens of Thursday or of Friday or Saturday you are kind of out of money. Yeah, I mean I I I gotta feel like I think it's gonna be strong throughout the entire weekend. But you're probably right with the Thursday Friday on this one. I think I thought about not even playing it and just trying to do something else. But with Jeff Goldblum out there doing all the advertising for it, all stirring up publicity, how are people not going to go and see this movie? Yeah, I mean, the, the TV ads have been really bad, though. Like, the, the the theatrical trailers have been great. TV ads for this have been really bad. And that poster is not great either. I don't know what's going on there. I, I, I feel like Marvel these days are just like, let's make a bad poster because that'll get shared more times than a good poster. Yeah, it's not. It's nowhere nearly as bad as uh, uh, Homecoming. Spider-Man's notebook drawing? Yeah, um, but I mean, I, I think the real question here is, are people feeling fatigue from Avengers? I mean, I think that's the question every time one of these comes out. And um, But I, I think with this one, it's probably, you know, I mean, because honestly, if I'm being totally honest, like I had totally given up on Thor movies, but with Taika Waititi at the helm, I'm super excited for this one. So, uh, no, I, I plan on seeing it. I've never seen a Thor movie, and I think this one could be pretty good. Could be fun, is what I it haven't, looks like. I haven't seen the second one, and I don't plan on seeing it. I think you can probably skip it. You got an idea. You understand the dynamic between Thor and Hulk, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm, I'm sure they will just have all the exposition you need to, to fill in the rest, and it'll be fine. All the exposition in about 30 seconds. Yeah. I, the real question of this, I think, because Thor isn't a very successful franchise on its own, is have we locked everybody into watching this TV series in the movies? Like, is 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 there going to be enough people who just do not want to miss a Marvel Cinematic Universe film that it, or is just going to go see this no matter what? I mean, I don't know. It's and, and the other thing that's interesting is it's a November release, and I guess they've proven that it really doesn't matter when they release one of these um, but it's not a, it's not an obvious big blockbuster weekend, but I, I think it'll do fine. I think, um, you know, we we'll, we'll see how it does. I think it will do better than, uh, what's the old Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, Dr. Strange, uh, Dr. Dr. Strange, Strange did from, well though. Yeah, it did. It did well, but it didn't do like star Wars numbers. No, and it but, didn't do Avengers numbers. Like, I think uh, if it's not in Avengers or Captain America or maybe even Iron Man, it's just sort of in that lower tier. Yeah, sure. Uh, but this one looks fun. So that, yeah. that's that. What what else? Is there anything else coming out this weekend? So for FML purposes, literally the only other film out this weekend is A Bad Mom's Christmas. I did not see the first movie. And honestly, I kind of forgot it existed. But research said it was a sleeper hit. Uh, it only cost 201 bucks in FML. 
but is this the f- is the first week in November too early to start spreading the raunchy holiday spirit? Movies like this, I can never really tell what they're going to do. And I mean, I, it sounds like producers think it's going to do well because they've already greenlit a bad dad sequel spinoff uh, coming. Are those like, in the I same think- universe? Yeah, yeah, like it's, I, I think it's a direct launch off of Bad Moms doing Bad Dads because apparently, like Ghostbusters, you need male and female versions of that. Doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. I, like I said, I did, I forgot this one existed. O- only bad thing I knew about was Bad Santa, and I think there was Bad Teacher. I don't know if this is like a weird series or just the bad, the bad the universe, word, the, bad the bad holiday universe. universe. That could be a thing legitimately maybe if billy bob thornton shows up i mean i i'd at least be more interested so does does bad moms or bad moms christmas a bad moms christmas i i apologize i forgot the article does this factor into your uh prediction for best picture or best performer this week no No? it really doesn't i i don't know i i don't i think it's too early i think this movie might do well in a month yeah, but uh, you, you think it'll be a sleeper that sustains? I think that I think that makes a lot of sense. It's uh, you know it's early for a Christmas movie. I feel I'm I'm with you, but I, I went to pick up Halloween candy literally on Halloween, and when I got back to like the milk and egg section, they already had Christmas candy out on Halloween. So maybe I'm out of touch, and everybody wants to see a Christmas movie now because it's Christmas. What exactly is Christmas candy? It, it was like bags of candy with. Christmassy designs on them, and they were in green cardboard boxes instead of orange cardboard boxes. Okay, whatever. Um, what what do you what do you think you're playing this week? Uh, okay, so I, I played around and I played around with the lineup. Here's where I'm at: three Thor Sunday, one Happy Death Day, two Blade Runner, and two Victorian Abdul. It should be a Chris approved lineup because it is exactly a one thousand dollar lineup. Is it? Yeah, yeah. I feel like Victorian Abdul just keeps hanging on in there. Do you do you think we get do you think we get another week of this? Or do you think this is the end of it? I, I don't I don't know, but here's what I will say. Uh I was recently on vacation in Bar Harbor, Maine, and in this in this town there was like one place you could see movies, and it was like a pizza and movie place. They were showing exactly two movies. They were showing Lucky and Victorian Abdul. That's it. Interesting. So like their their only theater was like an art house theater. That's actually that's pretty legit. Yeah, and I, maybe, look, this has been doing a lot better than I've, I've expected. If the, the theater count holds, I'm playing it again. It's, it's the cheapest thing you got, and it rounds out the end of your bucks. The only thing I'm not sure about is if Happy Death Day, even though it's a couple more dollars than Blade Runner, will actually do better than Blade Runner. I think a lot of people might have saw a lot of horror movies, and now it's time for them to see something different. And if they're not seeing Thor, they're probably going to see Blade Runner because they're not seeing Geostorm. You keep saying that. Has Blade Runner been in a perfect cineplex yet? No, but it did come out third in uh, in FML bucks, dollars per bucks last week. Okay. So, I mean, it's playing. It's just yeah. not actually making it in there. And as the price keeps going, I want to believe, Chris. Let me believe that you it's going to... Be- you want to believe in a movie you, you won't even see because it's too long for you and Jared Leto's in it. Oh, I didn't say that it was too long. <laughs> <laughs> because Jared Leto's in okay, that's fine. That's a that's a perfectly reasonable uh, reasonable excuse. I, I I will see it at some point. Don't don't get me wrong. Okay. Well, I this week am playing. I my I start out the same as you. I've got three Sundays of Thor, and then I just layer out the rest with five of the Foreigner. Oh, that's not bad. Look, that that could definitely definitely hit. Do you do you think people are still seeing that? I don't know. It's uh, I I went for the simplicity. The fact that it all fit was. Enough for me to say, okay, I'm done. Moving on. Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna look at it all when the when the theater counts come out and 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 when the theater counts come out and the Rotten Tomatoes numbers and all that stuff. Uh, that that usually guides my choices more than anything. Right. You're always you're always switching up until the very end. And actually, uh, some some listeners might not know this. You have a you have you have two uh, cineplexes that you play. What? Uh, why, yeah. why do you do this? So uh, I, I kept getting called out on my really poor performance predicting every now and then. Sometimes uh-huh. I do really well, and sometimes I do really poorly. Somebody said, if you stuck to your predictions, what would you get? Well, I didn't mm. want to give up the tinkering that I do on Friday morning. So I made a, a an account called The War Starts at Midnight Prognosticator. So yeah. he's in our league. You can You can follow him. I always play exactly what I suggest. Last week I was out of town, didn't suggest anything, but you can check my lock time. I locked it on like Monday or Tuesday and didn't touch it. It is it is purely early in the week. 
and in our league, it's like seventh. So that's not it's bad. okay. No, that's, it's not bad at I, all. That's better than me. I think it's one above me. So that uh, <laughs> that shows that a li- at least a little bit of research, even if you waver on it in, in, in the last minute, um, is better than no research at all. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure it's going to have that lineup I put on the podcast. Uh, the 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 three Thor Happy Death Day Blade Runner Victorian Abdul. I don't see myself budging off of that unless the numbers are really really skewed to some some uh some theater count drops. And if you want all of those numbers, that's what I put in the article now. It's theater counts, Rotten Tomatoes, uh, reviews, audience scores, and then a couple things I, I I collect from the chatter on Fantasy Movie League, which are the bonus bar predictions and Phil's Fandango check. So between all of those, and then I don't include this, but personally, I always check a couple local theaters just to see that stuff's selling. You should be able to take what I'm putting in the article and make educated guesses, which is really all any of us are making in FML. You've got you got a lot in the article now. Do you not do you not have like a gift of the week section too? You might as well. It takes long enough to write it as is. <laughs> if you want a gift of the week, comment on the article and let me know you're reading it. You can find it each week on the War Starts at Midnight blog. And if you've got a hot take for the next Perfect Cineplex, you should hit us up on Facebook or Twitter at WSAMPod and tell us about it. Stick around for some really rad recommendations coming up next. There's a knock at your door. You don't even recognize a stranger. Jake, it is time for really rad recommendations. So I'm just curious, what Netflix original movie starring Adam Sandler are you going to recommend to us? Ridiculous Six. Obvious. No, that's not what I'm doing. Instead, I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm I wanted to talk about you know Ben Ben Stiller. Wait, hold on, hold on. Quick question: Can you name another Adam Sandler Netflix original? Uh, I know there's one that I started watching for some reason with him and. Uh, uh, Joe Dirt, the do-over, the do-over. Ah, sure. Yeah, uh, in it, uh, the first act is about uh, David. David Spade is like an accountant who hates his life, but Adam Sandler's like his cool friend who comes in, who uh, was like a, a kind of like a bad boy in high school or whatever, and uh, and f- helps without David Spade's consent, helps David Spade fake his death and start over in Mexico. Uh with maybe some drug dealers on their tail or something along those lines. So lazy. Okay. What do, what do you actually have to recommend? Now I think about the do over. Just go watch. No, that's not it. I wanted to talk about, uh, so I was watching Norm Macdonald and, uh, Norm Macdonald live and he had Jerry Seinfeld on there and they were talking about how the, the hardest thing to be in movies is a funny man. Why would a comedian ever want to act in a normal acting role? There's people for that is was, yeah. was Jerry Seinfeld's, uh, response when people would always ask him he'd say no I don't need to do that there's people for that there's people yeah. who can act I don't need to be that it's so hard to be funny so I thought it was interesting in this movie how two comedians gave such great performances yeah, uh, but the, the classic film that addresses this is Preston Sturgis's Sullivan's Travels you've seen this right Chris but with a little sex <laughs> of course a little sex called Pagina Man <laughs> Uh, starring Joel McRae as John L. Sullivan, uh, a comedic filmmaker who wants to make a, uh, it's in the heart of the depression. So he wants to make this film that'll pull at the people's heartstrings and speak to their, uh, their, their struggle in life. And he wants to call it, Oh brother, where art thou? Yep. Yep. That's really what it is. And, uh, so he, he, um, in order, the studio doesn't want him to do this. He says, in, in order to do this, I got to go out and experience what it's like to be, 
you know, a hobo essentially to hop a train and do all this. And, and it's, it's his, his little story about how he, uh, goes through all of that and how he runs into Veronica Lake, who is credited as the girl, even though she has a name in the film. Uh, but it, it's really, really good. I was talking to someone recently who had, who had seen this and they, they were talking like, I think they actually thought that either, I don't know if they thought that John L. Sullivan was played by Preston Sturgis. Oh no. Yeah. This is me. Yeah. I, I, I watched three quarters of this movie thinking that Sullivan was Sturgis or Sturgis was playing Sullivan. Uh, for some reason, I thought it was like a Harold Lloyd situation where he just was in his own movies uh, okay. and, and did this uh, was not the case. Obviously. <laughs> Uh, Obviously, as yeah. I found out, but in my head, my mental image of Preston Sturgis is John L. Sullivan. <laughs> I don't know how <laughs> that, far off that is. I've never seen. I've never seen Preston Sturgis. Uh, doesn't doesn't look not not quite as well built as uh, but, Joel McRae, but but for three quarters of a movie, I did think I had seen Preston Sturgis. So. I mean, and, and granted, he's obviously playing a sort of Preston Sturgis like character. If if also you know making fun of himself and his persona and and all of that you know not taking not taking the character too seriously either yeah so i I guess what i'm getting at is if you are a fan of comedies and you love defending uh the genre of comedy which doesn't get a lot of love and and its place in the world go and watch sullivan's travels it's very very good you can find it on criterion blu-ray uh, yeah. I don't think it, I don't think you can stream it anywhere right now. Uh, you can you can rent it, but it's not available for. I I could have sworn that it was on Filmstruck, but it looks like it's not right now. So who knows? Just get the Criterion Blu-ray. It's it's a great transfer and it's really worth it. Chris, what are you going to recommend? I am going to recommend a movie that is currently in theaters and in limited release. It's also available on VOD to rent or I believe even purchase uh, right now. It's called Super Dark Times. Um, and this is a, this is a movie. I don't, I don't remember exactly how I heard about it. I think perhaps I saw a trailer, but, um, I don't, didn't really remember much from it, which was good going in because it's, uh, it's a movie that definitely takes some twists. Uh, this is the featured debut by director Kevin Phillip, who, uh, I don't know much about other than I was, I was doing a little kind of research into him and it looks like he's actually, uh, shot a lot of music videos as a director of photography, uh, a couple of videos for, uh, Childish Gambino, 3005 and Sober, which are the, uh, ones Ooh, on those the, are fer- good ones. yeah, the one on the Ferris wheel and, and the one in like the Chinese restaurant where it's basically an infinitely gifable music video it's it's that's the one where he walks through the restaurant like 13 times or so well and he's he's dancing no 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 no. it's the one where he's dancing on the tables and and there's the the other girl who he's sort of like singing to and trying to impress her and she's just like nah oh okay yeah yeah um no it's not it's not the one where he's walking in and out okay Um, okay that that's a different one um and then he also diplo video uh revolution um but this this is his first feature it's uh set in like the late 90s uh begins almost kind of like a like a hangout movie with like this group of high school friends who uh i don't know they'd probably qualify as outsiders um and then it sort of slowly evolves into this like art house genre film um, which, I mean, we've been getting a lot of these sort of movies lately, like on, on maybe the more high profile in something, maybe like Cloverfield or 10 Cloverfield Lane could, um, uh, could qualify, but I'm thinking more like your next or the invitation that, that sort of thing. I think this, um, is a little more satisfying than, uh, than those two. And I liked, uh, I like the invitation quite a bit, but I think this really like it, it's a beautiful blend between sort of the character driven art house thing. And then the very, like it's, it's still, it's still a horror film and it's, it's interesting because it gives you glimpses of that. And then it almost like eases you out of it and makes you think, okay, we're just going back to this character story. And then it, dives back into the horror elements and which sort of acts as like a shock. Um, really, I mean, it's beautifully shot. I mean, and, and, uh, Kevin Phillip did not shoot it, but, um, I, I do think when cinematographers become directors, a lot of times, I mean, it's, it's a welcome sort of first time, you know, well-composed, well-shot, well-choreographed, uh, sort of, sort of thing. I'm thinking something like blue ruin. Um, this definitely falls in line with that, 
um, uh, worth a, I, I think worth a blind rental or if it's playing anywhere near you, I know it's been playing at circle cinema in Tulsa. Don't know how much longer it'll be there. Um, but worth, uh, I think worth checking out. I would recommend you don't watch the trailer and just, uh, just go in blind and experience it. So do the thing I normally do. Right. Uh, that is super dark times and it's, uh, it's quite good. Uh, you, you do have to tell me though, does Childish Gambino make an appearance? <laughs> no, Don Glover is, uh, he's not in this one. But if you had to, if you had to dreamcast it, would you put Donald Glover in it? I don't know who I would, uh, no, I wouldn't. There's, there's not a role for. Him. I mean, it, it, it all takes place basically in high school. I mean, and that's the other thing is that it's these younger, these younger actors, and they're very well fleshed out characters, and they're very well acted. Um, it's, it's really impressive, like from start to finish. I feel like it's been too long since we've Dreamcast something. Uh, let's, let's just do it this way. You have Donald Glover, and you get to remake any Dustin Hoffman movie. Who does he play? <laughs> Hook. Hook. I, I thought the obvious one was The Graduate, and your answer was going to be Tootsie. Tootsie starring Donald Glover. That's my answer. <laughs> well, I mean, Hook, he's kind of in drag. A little bit. <laughs> All right. And that's a wrap for another episode of War Starts at Midnight. Find us online at warstartsatmidnight.com for show notes, fantasy movie league recaps, and more. Or say hello on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at WSAMPod. If you enjoy the show, rate and subscribe to it in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to fine audio programming. It'll help us grow the Midnight Warrior clan, and it'll make you feel awesome. On the other hand, if you're the trolling type who simply hate listening through these credits, go ahead and tell us everything we got wrong at hello at warstartsatmidnight.com. You can tell us if it's actually Daniel Dave Lewis's last movie, or second to last movie, or if he's Charles Manson. We really don't know. Or, if you're a narcissist, you can leave us a voicemail and see if we play it. Just ring that bright red telephone at 484-424-6362. The War Starts at Midnight theme song was produced by Justin Streck. The spoiler alert theme song is by The Taylor Machine. Check them out at facebook.com slash The Taylor Machine. And shout out to Man Man for the featured music on this week's show. Find more at manmanbanban.com. Join us in another fortnight for a brand new episode of The Carpenter Shop, our ongoing exploration of John Carpenter's colossal canon. This time, Carpenter transplants a classic Howard Hawks western from a dusty Texas frontier town to the mean streets of Los Angeles in Assault on Precinct 13. Catch it streaming now on Voodoo and Shudder. Thanks for listening, folks. Ping pong paddle that dick. That was a hard R. You like that little bit about a ridiculous six? Have you really seen it three times? Uh, I've seen. I've I know seen you've it start seen to it finish once. at least once, and I've seen most of it a couple other times. Wow. Um, Look, I'm not saying it's great, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm saying it is funny enough to justify a watch. Uh, I really like Terry Crews. has a lot of good cameos in it. Norm MacDonald plays a, a man in a brothel. <laughs> Vanilla Ice plays Mark Twain. It's very good. <laughs> Fuck, no, I'm not watching this. No, you should. I was, I was consider like, at, at Vanilla Ice plays Mark Twain, you, like, I have sworn off this movie for ever it's it that's actually probably one of the best parts if we're being honest the adam sandler being an indian that is disrespectful okay that's actually probably way more disrespectful (laughs) yeah yeah let's 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 keep one of them is a funny take on on it's kind of like all these people playing the colonel in different ways this is and he's stressed about the same way have i ever told you about in his um in his autobiography there's an entire chapter just about duels no and now he like um like first he talks about just the general because it's it's sort of like he dictated the entire thing and it's not like a chronological or anything Mm -hmm. it was literally like he had some woman come over and in the morning he would start dictating to her and whatever he wanted to talk about that was that was what went down um so sometimes it's literally like i read this in the paper and i'm gonna i'm gonna give you a little commentary on sometimes it would be here's a story about this or that and one time it was just like i'm gonna talk to talk to you about duels and (laughs) it's so good uh but he first he talks about like just in his very mark twain style like uh very dry comedic style of like how asinine it is for a man to um to do a duel and how it's only men who would ever even consider, you know, being a part of a duel and, and all of this and how like 
Uh, but at the same time, you're really not a man if you, if you run. Oh, and by the way, I have run from duels before because I'm not stupid enough to get killed. And <laughs> like, it's, it's so good. Okay. But here's my real question. Would he, after seeing Ridiculous Six, duel Vanilla Ice? <laughs> no, he wouldn't. He wouldn't? Because <laughs> if he ran from a, a Vanilla Ice duel, that would kind of ruin his reputation. That would, that would probably ruin his reputation. You're right. You're right.